Rated. We're here delivering the movie goods for you. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. Welcome to a special Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is close to Valentine's Day. Spend Valentine's Day with your favorite ex. <laughs> Us. What, Valentine's Day is Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. Do you have plans? <laughs> you want some? No. <laughs> No, you and you and the, the husband don't. No, I mean we'll probably go out to dinner or something. But yeah. failing that, uh, we'll wish each other happy Valentine's Day and move on. You're not just gonna Uber Eats McDonald's. <laughs> We're more of a Uber Eats Wendy's kind of group. <laughs> I do think that Wendy's has the superior chicken nugget type variety food i don't know what they call them over there but i don't even fucking want to know what's in a frosty but it's delicious (laughs) although i haven't had one in ages so probably just tastes like chemicals to me now i don't know mcflurry a rollo mcflurry oh it's heaven can they do that yeah since when it's an affront to god and all the (laughs) rollos are always up top because they can't actually like mix them properly into the (laughs) mcflurry but yeah they can man chocolate and caramel Hey, there's no salt, salt in, in there. Rolos, are there? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. No. You probably dump a packet of salt in there. <laughs> make it make it right, don't you? I do actively eat a McFlurry w- with French fries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit, a little salt in there. Nuts. <laughs> you with your single flavor palate desserts. Nowadays, I like all my food just kind of in a big bowl. I can like uh-huh. mix it all around. Uh, but yeah, as a kid, I, I was definitely like regimented zones for each. Thing. Did you never have ice cream soup for dessert? Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but like I... by design, like I actively liked the orange vanilla. Oh yeah, ice cream mm-hmm. like melt into a soup. I thought oh, that yeah. was the best. We used to put quick the like chocolate. Okay. Thing stir in. We used to put that the powder on top of vanilla ice cream. Good Lord. I know. That I'd, is decadent. And then I'd let that melt down. Ooh. That was pretty good. I can see the benefit there. Mm-hmm. Pause this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I uh, suddenly got a, uh, my sweet tooth is acting up right now. Just in time for Valentine's day. That's how you can treat yourself. Maybe that's how I'll treat myself. <laughs> Where can you buy powdered quick these days? You can get Ovaltine on a number of different. Oh. <laughs> it's not the same. It was really fancy was when we had strawberry quick. I couldn't like guzzle that the way that I could with like traditional Nestle's chocolate quick though. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'll still get like a strawberry milkshake from time to time, but the idea of drinking strawberry flavored milk does seem a little strange to me now. Yeah, it sounds gross. <laughs> like chocolate milk, like they still sell Yoohoo at every corner store. Right. There's brown cows everywhere. So but I don't know. Yeah, strawberry milk. I, that sounds like an affront. Like, you don't see pink cows. Like, how does? It, where do they get it? <laughs> Did you see? There was like a thing that statistically, like something like seven percent of Americans believe chocolate milk came from brown cows. They're right. I mean, it comes from all varieties of cows, including brown cows. <laughs> oh, I see. Are you defending these people? Yeah, those seven percent are right. <laughs> Chocolate milk does come from brown cows. It just also comes from other cows. It didn't say it comes exclusively from brown cows, ready-made out of the teats. Mm. Good point. This is why I scored so low on my SATs. I overread every question. Well, Matt. Yes, Ryan. 
lot of people on Valentine's Day like to go out to dinner and see a movie. Mm-hmm. And since this is a podcast about movies, mm-hmm. did you by any chance watch a movie other than the one we were about to talk about today? By chance, I actually saw a very fitting Valentine's Day movie. Oh, yeah? I saw the new uh, Guillermo del Toro movie, Shape of Water. Oh, shit. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. And it is a love story. So it's actually sort of fitting for the romantic mood we have going on today. I see. Sally Hawkins plays a mute who works as sort of a janitor cleaning lady Mm -hmm. in a government facility that has a uh, very interesting asset on its hands. I've heard about the asset in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not not the biggest Del Toro fan. I... He has a very good visual flair, and I think he's got a great eye for, like, CG versus analog effects. Yeah. Like, while I was watching this, I was like, I, to me, this looks like a real fish person. Wow. Like, I can't tell where, like, the costume ends and any, like, CG filler comes in. Wow. Look totally natural and organic to me, which is something I've always kind of felt about Del Toro. Mm-hmm. Even when I watched his Hellboy movies not too long ago, they aged better in terms of like the the CG and the the graphics than I feel the Matrix sequels did. Yeah. So I feel like he's got a good eye for that. My problem is like he's so saccharine with some of this stuff. Like it just it's a little overkill for me. Okay. And I ended up just being like, I get it. <laughs> uh but there was a, a lot to like about the movie. And I like Sally Hawkins a lot. This is just like a, a smidge on like the scale more in favor to movies that center around women for me. Mm-hmm. When the star of the movie is a lady, I tend to just like it just incrementally more. Mm-hmm. So this had Sally Hawkins. It also had Octavia Spencer, who I love. Oh, yeah, she's great. And I mean, she was playing her types, sassy black woman in the 50s. But, you know, not the worst type to be typecast into and she does it so well and she's got it down to like just like a look like (laughs) she can like turn around and just like look at a character and like you know what the score is Uh so you know yeah it's a type but like she does it really well and i like michael shannon in it at uh near the beginning so this isn't really spoilers alert he gets uh two of his fingers bitten off by the creature Mm. And he's, like, on the phone with, like, some government agent, like, oh, here you got your fingers bit off, like, by that creature or whatever. And he goes, yeah, I still got my thumb, pointer, and pussy finger, so it's okay. (laughs) I never realized that that's the pussy finger. (laughs) Is that what straight people call it? (laughs) So I'm like, okay, learn something new every day. Uh, What about you? Do you have anything... uh, Romantic. I did watch a romantic movie. Oh. Yeah, I got around to seeing "Call Me by Your Name." Mm. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right, on a, on a scale of how Italian it was, like <laughs> you know, fourteen year old nudity or uh, American style nudity. American style nudity. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thankfully, <laughs> but there were. These characters are filmed in ways that you don't normally see people being filmed. Like, there's lots of shots where it's like people are sitting in chairs with their legs spread and you can see right up their shorts. Um, but they're wearing swim trunks kind of thing. Or like, You can still see up those. Yeah, yeah. And just, um, just filmed in ways that we don't normally see, specifically men filmed. So that was kind of fun, uh, I guess. The story itself is very unique. I walked away 
thinking that like I've never seen a story like this before, and it's not implausible, but uh, it was surprising in a good way. Okay, how many sizes did your heart grow while watching it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant cock. <laughs> I was gonna say. If it was the same amount as, as, as my dick, then, you know, several sizes. Um, yes, it's also a very sexy movie. Okay. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Yeah, it was really heartwarming and sweet, and I definitely recommend it, especially for queer people, gay people. Yeah, the director of that movie is going to be doing a Suspiria remake. I saw that. And he says that he's not going to be using any primary colors, like only tertiary colors. How's that going to work? I don't know. I've seen... That director, I don't know how to pronounce his name because it's like 18 letters long. Yeah. It starts with like a G-U-A. But he did a movie with Tilda Swinton called oh, right. uh, I Am Love. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was artistic. So yeah, I'm curious as to like... Because, you know, for me, high art and Suspiria, like to me they might be the same thing, but like to the, the movie-going audiences of the world, they might not be the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea that like... This guy who, like, seems to be making that kind of capital A art to do a Suspiria remake and to do it, like, earnestly, like, to approach the source material as uh, high art, um, I don't know, seems interesting. I'm curious as to what he's going to do with it. Time will tell. I'm excited, though. I'm going to see it. Even though I feel that's a movie that does not need to be remade, but... (laughs) Do any movies need to be remade? I mean, maybe if they really suffered from technical complications. Like, I could see remaking The Birds. So, like, know. Star Wars? <laughs> <gasps> Thanks, George Lucas. <laughs> super excited to talk about this movie today the movie today in question of course is the second film in the x-men franchise i think it's just called x2 x-men united x-men united i want to talk about the first time that i saw it okay but uh i also just want to talk about how well this holds up yeah so i watched this and the first x-men movie in preparation for this oh okay the, f- the first one's decent. It's okay. It feels kind of small in comparison to like the Marvel action movies. Like the fate of the world is not on the line in the first one. Right. It's like Magneto's got a scheme to like turn these people at like some UN convention all into mutants and like change people's perceptions on mutants right. and stuff. And it's okay. It feels very minor mm-hmm. like it's not bad but it just feels very minor when that senator dies like turns into the water mutant whatever uh-huh i still the sound he makes when he like gurgles <sighs> dies it's just like it still makes me cringe. i have a question because i don't remember the third movie well enough because it was garbage it was garbage <laughs> but so that that senator in the first one mm-hmm. like turns into water, right? And then Mystique is like playing that senator, right? And that's that's how he is in this movie. Is Mystique is playing that part? Yeah. Um, a, how does she make it through like appropriations committees? Like, how does she know about like <laughs> enough about like intergovernmental affairs to like pose as a senator? She's gotta just be like 
clear my calendar, Christine. I've got <laughs> I've got tons to do. Yeah, I was like, a senator is sort of a full time job. <laughs> yeah. And then she's got like schmooze and wine and dine at like fundraising events. I don't know. Somehow she she gets around it. It just seems like a whole thing. <laughs> but so that senator dies in the first one. He gets exposed to like Magneto's thing. Right. Turns into a mutant and he's like a jellyfish sort of watery mutant thing. Yeah. And he like turns to water and that's basically the last that we see of him. Yeah. And Jean Grey brings this up with Magneto in the first one and says something like uh you know, it's unstable. He died right in front of me. And Magneto says like did he die or did he just show you exactly what you were supposed to see. And I thought the implication was like, he turned into water and like escaped. Like that was what I thought he was saying by that was like, no, that that's his power. And you mistook it for something else. Uh, Which I was like, that's really interesting. Like, does he come back in the second? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't. (laughs) And so I thought, like, maybe... Because I know I watched the trailer for the third one, and that Senator's in the trailer for the third one. Oh, yeah. I don't remember how that pans out. I don't remember either. But I thought, like, maybe it was like, yeah, maybe he didn't actually die. Maybe he turned into water, and they all thought that he died. Mm. But the second one operates on the assumption that he died. Right. Anyway... I don't want to hijack this podcast, but can I please talk about the first time I watched this movie? Yes! So, I was in high school... I was 17, I'm going to say. All my friends and I got stoned. (laughs) Uh, I don't remember if we skipped school or not. I'm going to say that we didn't, in case my mom's listening. Okay. So it's like a Saturday afternoon. We're going to catch a matinee. Opening weekend, we get just baked out of our minds. Oh, man. Go to see this movie. The theater's so packed that we can't even all sit together. Obviously, we didn't think this through. Right. So we're going through, stoned out of my mind. We have this, like, really great opening scene in the White House. Yeah. Watching it now, I'm like, this is a wonderfully, like, choreographed set piece here. Yeah. Like, especially inside the Oval Office when Nightcrawler's, like, going back and forth. I was like, this is, like, one long, like, pan around the Oval Office as he's, like, bouncing back and forth. I'm like, this is fantastic. So the movie goes for about 40 minutes. The fire alarm goes off. (gasps) No. (laughs) So like we're all like baked out of our minds and like we don't even know where each other are. And like we have to like find each other in like it's not just that one theater. Like we were in like a megaplex that all had to be evacuated at once. (laughs) So we all scramble out and like try and find each other and like try and like remain cool for like 30 minutes or something uh, before going back in. But we uh, we all found each other and then, like, hung back by the theater. So then when they let us all back in, we were one of the first people back in. Okay. And we totally stole other people's spots. Nice. <laughs> and just ended up with actually very great seats for the remainder of the movie. And then we got free tickets to see whatever else we wanted uh, some other time. Not bad. Yeah, so it wasn't bad. But, like, being, like, really stoned like that and then, like, a fire alarm going off in a huge crowd situation, like... <sighs> Not fun. <laughs> well, the first time I saw this movie uh, is uh, an important one for me, too, because I saw it with a uh, friend's brother was in town and he was just staying at our place. And I was like charged with taking care of him that day because everybody else was working. And I was like, well, you want to go see a movie? And he's like, yeah. So we ended up going to go see this and we came out and he ended up loving it. And I did, too. 
But uh, I started talking to him about all the gay overtones yeah. in it. And he was like, what? I didn't even notice all that. And it's like, oh, I guess maybe I was watching... I was picking up on things that he wasn't picking up on at all. And I think it's it's I still there. I don't think I picked up on it when I was younger, but I picked up on it this time, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's not just gay overtones. I mean, some of it, it does seem explicitly like gay overtones, like when they're at uh, Iceman's parents' house. Yeah, that whole scene. And it's really like a coming out thing. Uh-huh. Like that whole scene is just like coming out of the closet to the parents. Yeah. She's like, we still love you, Bobby. It's just this mutant problem is a little... What mutant problem? I just remember that line feeling like, yes, he's on our side. <laughs> like Iceman like shows his parents like the power, like he freezes like the tea in her, her glass. Yeah. And like she pours it out and it's just an ice cube. And like she kind of like puts a hand on it and is like, have you tried not being a mutant? Oh, God, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. And, like, to any gay person, that's exactly how that reads, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, oh man. It has to. And it's even, like, it, it that like, that scene by itself does a good job because, like, we're used to, to Logan or Wolverine. Yeah. And we're used to Rogue. But, like, the way, and I don't know how Brian Singer did it, did it but it was, like, when they're in that home, Iceman parents home they seem so out of place yeah like i think one thing they did especially with logan is like they made the fridge seem a little smaller Mm. and things like that so like he looked bigger in their home than he did like in xavier's mansion Mm -hmm. i don't know if that was what it was exactly but like he looks out of place there and it's like when you bring your boyfriend home for the first time or something like there's just that like awkwardness like we don't feel comfortable in this situation, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how it read to me, at least. Like, this is my chosen family sort of situation. Sure, yeah. But it, it, it just comes across so earnestly, and it, it doesn't, like, slap you in the face with it. Like, it's just sort of nice, nice and cleanly laid out. Not trying to, like, force a point on you. It's just little dialogue points here and there yeah like i said like the guy that i was with thoroughly enjoyed the movie and didn't even pick up on any of that but Mm -hmm. it's like it's there if you're if you're paying attention to it and it really it was nice it like spoke to me i felt like i felt like this was a movie for me yeah in a lot of ways yeah i I mean and watching it now i'm maybe i did notice it growing up but if i didn't clearly i was like a cinematic illiterate like Well, you were super stoned, and uh, I was super stoned. And the fire alarm. But I went also off. <laughs> like this was like one of the first DVDs I ever bought. Like I watched it like repeatedly, like <laughs> you know, in in the you know years after this came out. Mm-hmm. But it just, uh, I was really pleased with this movie this time around. It holds up really well. It really does hold up. It doesn't overly rely on special effects. And in fact, I would say for the most part, the special effects serve a lot of the scenes. For example, when there's that scene when Mystique and Logan are in the tent. You know what I want. But what do you want? What do you really want? The effect itself isn't that great, but it's I can forgive it because it serves the scene like it's showing like that Logan has all these different types of desires of, of what he wants, you know? So mm-hmm. it really, it's nice. It's just, it's just like, it's not, it's not about the effect. It, the effect is there to help serve 
the character development of Logan. Yeah. Initially in the 60s, like the the mutants were supposed to sort of mirror like minority groups, like mm-hmm. their plight was supposed to sort of mirror like the civil rights movement of mm-hmm. like the 60s and the 70s. And I, I pick up like parts of that in here too. Yeah. Once again, like at Iceman's parents' house, that's sort of an important scene in the movie. <laughs> like Iceman's little brother calls the police. Right. Even though nothing bad is happening. And the police come and they hear it's a mutant. So like they send like a whole SWAT team over or something. And it really sort of drove home for me at least how when you're defending yourself, it can look like aggression. Yeah. Because like they were like the people in the home were caught unawares, but it's like guns were immediately pulled. It wasn't like a cop like knocked on the door and like asked if everything was okay. Yeah. It was like they came guns blazing and were forced to like defend themselves in that situation. And it's one of the things I think people like about X-Men in general outside of the film franchise, but that you really sort of understand like Magneto's side of the argument. Mm -hmm. Like he's of the opinion that they're not going to come around. They're not going to want to just happily cohabitate with us. Yeah. And there are some times where you're like, yeah, fuck those people. (laughs) Yeah. Like, who needs them? Yeah. It's nice because we get that on the side of the discriminated against. We get, like, kind of a bad... That's where our bad guy inhabits, you know? Like, he's he's on that side, too. There's a lot of gray areas. It's not, like, really cut and, cut and clean. Right? Yeah, because, like, Magneto is, you know, the, the villain, you know, Ian McKellen's character, but you, you're not... You don't necessarily think that he's wrong. Yeah. Like... You might not agree with his tactics, but like his logic or his reasoning, you're sort of like, yeah, I I understand why he feels this way. Yeah, I mean, in in the X Men universe, Magneto's Jewish and is like an Auschwitz survivor. Right. So he was not at all confident that humanity would just set aside its differences and all happily cohabitate with one another. Right. And it comes across a lot in here. It's like people are openly hostile to mutants Mm -hmm. and he's like fuck this we don't have to take it like we can do something about it so yeah when when pyro like converts over to his side like you get it yeah like you understand why that happens yeah you can't blame him (laughs) you are a god among insects never let anyone tell you different and with superhero stuff villains are like make or break for me Mm -hmm. like how interesting a villain is elevates or, or diminishes a movie. Yeah. You know, it's the problem that I have with like the Zack Snyder Superman movies is like their villains are just brawn. They're, like there's no intelligence. There's no cunning. There's no real smarts to them. Mm-hmm. And that kind of undercuts like the value of the movie or the interest of the movie. Whereas this like Magneto is such a shaded character. It's like, yeah, he's like the villain, but he was friends with Professor X, or still is. Like, you know, they're not interested in killing each other necessarily. Like, they're not cutthroat for one another. And then you also sort of understand both sides of the argument there. Yeah. Yeah, you sympathize with both of their struggles. And he's also willing to work with Xavier and the X-Men if that means saving mutants, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. cause that's what he does in this movie. He's like, 
look, he's going to he's going to attach Xavier to Cerebro and they're going to kill all the mutants. And that includes me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We need to work together if we're going to fix this. He then turns into a jerk and decides to kill all humans. But yeah, still. And as far as villains are concerned, Mystique is one of my favorite X-Men in general. And in this movie, she's so badass and she gets so much to do. It's great. I love it. I love all the I love all the mystique scenes. I love her line too when they're talk when uh, she's talking to Nightcrawler and he's like, "Excuse me." They say you can imitate anybody, even their voice, even their voice. Then why not stay in disguise all the time? You know, look like everyone else. Because we shouldn't have to. Oh, it gives me chills thinking about it because it's that that line really hits home to me. And like that is the type of scene that could so easily have hit the cutting room floor. Yeah, but you know someone was fighting for it. Yeah, like someone was like, no, no, no this four second scene or whatever. We need this in the movie. Yeah, because the movie's kind of long. It's like two hours, twenty minutes, something around there. So I I could. Like, the idea that it's this long, like, he had to fight for it to be this long, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So just, like, that little scene in there really makes the difference. And, yeah. like, I know that, you know, it would have been a fight to keep that scene. Cause and it gives, like, it gives Nightcrawler uh, a reason to move over to that side, you know? Yeah. A little bit more, where it's, like, maybe the X-Men are kind of... They're not saying you have to hide, necessarily, but it's, like... They're definitely, like, assimilate fit in yeah at least yeah 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 as much as possible whereas mystique's like no fuck that <laughs> yeah and you know he can't he he looks like a freak like he's yeah got blue skin and scars and he looks crazy so it's like that's not an option for him i mean that's one of the other beauties of this is that characters are sort of routinely going out of their comfort zones or sort of i don't want to say like going against like their their values or their ethics but you know one of the Nightcrawler's powers is to teleport. Right. And he says that he he can't teleport to any place that he can't see. Otherwise, he might end up in a wall or something. Uh, but during the climax, he does. Yeah. He has to get on the other end of, like, a vault, essentially. And Storm convinces him to, you know, out of faith, because Nightcrawler's very religious. I told you, if I can't see where I'm going... I have faith in you. But, like, it, it's, like, that meeting in the middle, because, like, Storm does not have that faith, like, in quotes. But she convinces Nightcrawler to do it using his own terminology. It's one of those things, like, she has a line of what she sees. Like, she's not faithful. Mm-hmm. Like, she's science. He is, you know, religiously minded, uh, but he won't do this. And they sort of meet in the middle to like get to this climax. And that's one of those like little shadings in character that like, that's what makes good characters when you're writing a story yeah. is when like they have values and they have to transgress them for, you know, the good of, you know, other people or the good of the story. Yeah. It's just a little moment. It's like they're, you know, storm and Nightcrawlers talk about faith is, 30 seconds earlier in the movie and then it turns into this moment near the end of the movie but it means something to the characters to both those characters and when you have a movie with this many characters it can be hard to shade them like that yeah you really have to find those moments and there are a lot of characters in this movie Mm -hmm. everybody kind of gets their moment too yeah 
Um, even Cyclops, who kind of sucks, is and is it's just lame. <laughs> Cyclops like, is too one-dimensional. Yeah. Like his power is too one-dimensional for one, but <laughs> like his eyes, am I right? Uh... Um, but he, uh, you know, he gets like a good acting moment, like when Jean actually does die, or when he realizes she's dead. Like he gets a big moment, and um, but just between like Professor X and like the Academy storyline. The Logan, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Love Triangle, Rogue storyline, Magneto's like breaking out of jail, and then just having Striker's storyline separate from that. Like, there's a lot of different storylines going on that when I walk away from the movie, I'm like, those were all like clear, coherent, and like fairly fleshed out. Like, maybe not to the extent that all parties were were happy with it but like all those storylines played out enough that like i was satisfied with their conclusions yeah yeah and like there's there's even just like a little bit of breathing room like when they're at the academy and wolverine comes down to the kitchen iceman's there like that's a hangout scene yeah like nothing really important is done in that scene it could have been cut down to wolverine comes in looks for a beer and iceman's like it's a school that could have been the whole scene. Yeah. But like they hang out for a little bit and you get a little taste of Iceman's powers. You get a little Wolverine flavoring. I took that as like, because when he first comes in, they've got like sort of a frosty reception because <laughs> he's like, that's my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but then like, this is sort of their reconciliation. That's like, okay, everything's cool because he, he cools down the Dr. Pepper for him. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. I love uh-huh. that. It's really cute. So do you do you feel Rogue's powers is sort of an HIV metaphor? Oh, I never thought about it. While I was watching, I was like, "Who would date her? You can't touch her." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then after all, I was like, "Oh, that might be a little bit harsh on my part." Yeah, I didn't think about that. I was just thinking she's really useless in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't do anything. She keeps Pyro from killing those cops. I guess. And then she flies the blackbird in at the last minute. Yeah. But that's about it. Barely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like automatic landing sequence started. <laughs> You're doing a terrible job. <laughs> but I just thought about that a little bit, that like even inside the mutant community, she has problems oh, yeah. uh, finding a place. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but sure. I feel like she's even more useless in the third one. <laughs> Like they really just, she's such a powerful character. My, my first exposure to X-Men was the 90s uh, cartoon series, which yeah. I loved. And she was a big part of that. Yeah, and it was like, whenever anybody couldn't tackle a mutant, finally, she would, they'd just be like, Rogue, go suck some of their powers. Okay. And then it'd be like, over with, you know? She was always like the uh, final gambit, basically. Oh, okay. Um, but like, in these movies, she's really depicted as pretty pretty weak yeah so the first one like her powers are important and it's because like magneto wants to transfer his powers to rogue so that rogue can do like the weird mutant thingy right right right. so it's like it's a big to do in the first one but like yeah this one it's not played out to like the same extent that it was and i don't remember the 90s cartoon well enough but i remember really liking it as a kid yeah but yeah, part of it is like Rogue is supposed to be so beautiful, yet you can't touch her. Mm-hmm. And then they cast Hideous Bagface and a Paquin for the role. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I don't know. She's just. I don't. I like Anna Paquin. 
I think she's a pretty good actress. I just well, feel you like... can go watch the piano and <laughs> have just a final time. Well, maybe I will. <laughs> One thing I do really like about this movie is uh, the pacing. Even though it is like a two and a half hour movie, the pacing on it is really good. Oh, yeah. Um, it's he, just like the set pieces are they're spaced out in a good way, I feel like. Like we get the White House thing and mm-hmm. then we get later we get the raid on Xavier's school. and then... Which felt so invasive when I, I watched it this time around. Like, I really felt like my home was being invaded. No. And, of course, we've got Colossus running around shirtless. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was realizing, like, I don't know why it took me this long to piece it together, but, like, when I saw it, I remember being like, oh, that guy's hot. Mm-hmm. And then, like, several times I've se- since I've seen this, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see that shirtless guy again. But this was the first time that I watched it realizing, like, oh, duh, Brian Singer directed this. Of course <laughs> he's going to be like, you, shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway. Uh, yeah, all the women are like tastefully and traditionally attractive. Your Famke Jansons, your... Halle Berry's. Your Halle Berry's. But then like, yeah. All Two your... of the most beautiful women on the planet, <laughs> I would say. Who they dress in such a way that you can't even tell that they're women. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like... Full body, up to the neck. Toe to collarbone, or more than that, yeah. Uh, toe, toe to jawbone. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, Colossus is shirtless. He, he has, like, a line, which is like... I can help you. You got your Hugh Jackmans running around. And their wife beaters, just... Uh... James Mardson, of course. We mentioned in Superman Returns as an attractive man. Mm-hmm. And then even the jail baby, like Iceman. Like, I remember having a crush on him when I was in high school. Sure, yeah, yeah. And he's, like, in his boxer shorts, like... I know, for scene. a large portion of it. That's the Brian Singer touch. <laughs> 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 oh, oh boy. god we're going to hell <laughs> i mean another part that that's a shame about brian singer and not being able to keep it in his pants is like he kind of populates the movie with like closeted actors well i don't know if ian mckellen was still closeted at the time or not mm. but like alan cummings yeah. As Nightcrawler. And then I guess Anna Paquin's bisexual. Yeah. I just thought it was cool. Oh, and then uh, not in this movie, but uh, Kevin Spacey was in a couple oh, right. Brian yeah, yeah. Singer movies. And I don't know. I like the idea of sort of this like secret subsect of like gay Hollywood where like they all watched out for one another. Yeah. And, like Hugh Jackman, there's rumors running around forever. Uh, have you seen his wife? Of course he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> His wife is like 20 years older than him, and Hugh Jackman is a show tune singer who tried to out-sing Aretha Franklin at the Grammys. <laughs> oh, God. Hugh Jackman is like John Travolta levels of gay. <laughs> His hair looked really stupid in this movie, by the way. <laughs> it's funny when, when I watch these earlier X-Men movies versus the later ones, because like he's so Jackman now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so just ripped and huge and it's like unbelievable like it's almost stupid and comical versus like this one in the first one where it's like he's just like lean and built i guess you just can't say young and trim forever but i guess not yeah no his hair was stupid in this (laughs) one of my favorite piece set pieces i guess you could call it is when magneto escapes oh yeah it's so good i I get goosebumps every time i see it because it's like you get before that when Mystique puts the drugs in that dude's drink and he's, you know, bottoms up and then his bottom literally goes up and she oh, sticks yeah. a bunch of iron in him. But then he goes in and you just like, he almost like 
smells you can he almost like smells it yeah you, know? you see it's just like something's different about oh, yeah. you there's something different about mr laurio yeah i was having a good day no no it's not that sit down no sit your ass down what could it be <laughs> what are you doing much iron in your blood. And it's just like, he makes three little bullets that destroys this plastic prison. And then he makes a little disc to float on. It's just like, this is taking his powers and using them in inventive ways, in imaginary ways. When we're talking about Superman and how like he's so powerful, then it's like, you can kind of mold his powers to be like whatever you want them to be. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, he's so strong that he can like, turn the earth on its axis which turns like the time back and stuff and i feel like x-men have these powers that are small and varied but that kind of makes you get imaginative with them yeah like i don't know how much iron it would actually take before you could like draw it out of someone like that but the idea is so much fun yeah and like the the outcome from just that notion is so much fun. Like yeah, the the his jail escape, his prison break, is so fun. It's so great, and, and it's, it's so just like and they have and they can they have no way to fight back. That's yeah. the best part is that he's just like he's dominating because he has a tiny bit of metal. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. I I just love the idea that he could he could conceivably. Destroy his prison, escape from it, and kill all these people with just a tiny bit of iron. Yeah, like, I love it. And the, and he looks so cool too when he's like floating down on the disc with like the two that are swirling around him. It's just like so his y- arms are crossed in front of him. Years ago, I saw Ian McKellen. I think it was on Conan because that was like the only late night show that I watched. Uh-huh. I think it was when X Two was coming to DVD, not when it was coming to theaters. Okay. And Ian McKellen was like, I think promoting a different movie even at the time. And he was talking about how he only recently saw X2, like, the night before. Oh. Conan was like, you didn't go to the premiere? And he goes, oh, no, 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 Like, I, I got, like, a, you know, critic screening copy in the mail last night, and I finally watched it. It's good. <laughs> uh, and he goes, wait, wait, wait. Why, why didn't you go to the premiere? And he goes, oh, I didn't think it was going to be very good. <laughs> uh, he goes, but it is. I really recommend everyone go see that movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> and watching the first one, I, I'm like, I can kind of see why he might not necessarily feel like it's below him or something. But, you know, Ian McKellen's a Shakespearean actor. Yeah. I can see how he might not be, like, happy with his performance or happy with his portrayal in the movie or something like that. But, like, this one, and I think it goes back to being a shaded character. Like, he's not all evil. Right. He came to this decision after years of experience, and he feels that this is the best for, like, his survival. Yeah. And I can't disagree with him all the time. I know. It's a little formulaic at this point to be, like, in an X-Men movie to, to have Magneto be, like, let's join forces. Yeah. And then, like, he betrays them. Like, yeah. that's just kind of his MO at this point. Yeah. But at this point, when I'd first seen this one, it still felt kind of fresh. So, like, when that twist happens at the end, it's kind of like, oh, you bad. (laughs) How does it look from there, Charles? 
Still fighting the good fight? From here, it doesn't look like they're playing by your rules. Maybe it's time to play by theirs. All X-Men movies have a different villain now, so it's like they have to team up to take down that villain, but they're still not on the same side. Whereas this, it's like the first movie, he was the villain. Yeah. And so the idea of like joining forces, at least for a little while, still felt fresh. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if you read the comic books, that's what happened over and over and over yeah. again. But Which is why I feel like X-Men shouldn't necessarily be a movie universe. I think it should be a television show, mm. sort of the way Heroes was. And my main beef with the more modern X-Men movies is, like, they introduce, like, 15 mutants, and then, like, eight of them get killed, like, you know, by, the like, the first attack of, like, the villain. Yeah. I'm like, okay, which one of those were we supposed to care about? <laughs> oh, none of them? Okay, well, then I don't care that they died. Yeah. It's too much of an extended universe. I feel like if they had a television show, they could, they could introduce, like, one new mutant every other episode or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah be easier to follow along with or you know you know they could be introduced and then killed off and it wouldn't be at like as problematic as it is yeah because honestly like this is the last x-men movie that i've cared for oh really yeah i like days of future past i i don't like any movie where people go back in time and then they somehow take credit for like all the events in that time period <laughs> i i hate that sort of thing it mm. just it seems like a cheap wink to me. So okay, I do seem to remember Quicksilver was attractive though. So oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That's actually my favorite superpower. If I were to have one, would be to move so fast that it was as if the world had slowed down. Oh really? Yeah, that's the superpower I want. Oh, I'm totally a Professor X. Yeah yeah. No, I want like I want to be able to control people's like minds and actions. Oh man. Yeah. I'm a king maker, not a king. I see. <laughs> Oh, we haven't talked about Brian Cox yet. I know. Who, his chin like protrudes three inches out of his face in this movie. I'd forgotten how evil he is. Oh, yeah. He's bad. He bad. I I didn't remember the subplot of his son. I know. It's fucked up. That is fucked up. But it was like he sent his son to like what he thought was going to be like conversion camp. Yeah. I picked up this time so that serum that he uses to control people he got from his son yeah like he took part of his brain or something and then like, it's like synthesized he, yeah it's like he milks his son's brain for that chemical Ugh. and then it controls people yeah and then he also like controls his son into doing all this heinous activity yeah and what's really fucked up is that like you know he's he's having his son control xavier to go kill all the mutants that means killing his son too yeah. Like, it's pretty fucked up, dude. Well, because the way that they, they explain it is that Stryker sent his son to Xavier's school, and Stryker wanted Xavier to cure his son, and Xavier was like, William, you wanted me to cure your son, but mutation is not a disease. You're lying! So yeah, it was, it, that was just, that was a darker villain than I remembered him being. Like, I, I remembered that it was like, yeah, like government scientist and that it was inferred that he was responsible for creating Wolverine or at least parts of Wolverine's powers and things like that. But I did not remember like the aspect of his son and how dark a turn that took and how cold blooded Stryker is as a villain. Yeah. I don't even know if he's in the comic books at all or anything like that. I'm not sure. Or either. if he's just 
an invention of this movie, but I just love Brian Cox. I think he's a great actor. Oh yeah. Uh, listeners out there might remember him best as the, uh, sheriff in super troopers i swear to god i'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans i know him as the as the principal of rushmore what's that supposed to mean oh yeah 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 and this was just this is just sort of his heyday the like early aughts yeah uh like he can do anything like you got him doing drama you got him doing comedy i mean rushmore is like a bit of both yeah having having real actors in your movies really can make a difference oh yeah and I just think that he is a, a gifted actor. I just think that he can really sell it. Agreed. I want to talk for a second about the fight scene. So there is like a point in this movie where I didn't, I'm not really checked out, but I stopped taking notes because I was like, well, I know how this all goes. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like once the action, the final third or fifth act, however you want to break it up, starts really spiraling. And it's just a lot of action sequences basically till the end. Mm-hmm. But the fight scene between Wolverine and Deathstrike... I thought it was pretty good. She's the one with oh, the, like, yeah. nails. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, she stabs him, like, so many times. Yeah. But I love it when she finally gets, you know, filled with adamantium and then, like, Which, dies. Uh, watching, it, watching this movie, I was like, you know, villains just don't have creative deaths the way that they used to. I know. Because that's a really fun way to go, and it's sold because she sinks into the water. I love the sound when she finally hits the bottom. It's just like, good sound design. Yeah. Good job, guys. And it's a fitting way because like, she's sort of like, kind of like Wolverine, like mm-hmm. has similar powers, has similar techniques. And when your powers are like this, like how, how the X-Men have powers, I feel like it's more creative to have the small-scale fights than to have the big, like, the world's about to end. The you know yeah. we have to combine our powers to stop the. There wasn't any of that comet from hitting the planet or something like that. You get Nightcrawler and Storm combining their powers to get inside the Cerebro Two. Yeah, like that's what you get. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Just good old fashioned knife fight between like Wolverine and what's your, Deathstrike. Deathstrike, yeah. That's just fun. Yeah. Like, that just makes for good movie watching. And even Nightcrawler, like, at the beginning, it's, like, him versus, like, the Secret Service agents. Yeah. Like, no one's, like, Nightcrawler's power isn't so crazy that it's, like, obvious that he can just overpower everyone. Yeah. Like, he still has to use skill and technique with his power. And it's a lot more fun that way when it's not a huge overwhelming power against like a minority or something like that yeah i don't know they get creative then yeah yeah not to harp on it but like mystique is so fucking cool i love when they're breaking into the dam and she's the first one to go in she goes in like looking like logan Mm -hmm. and then fights off so many people on her own and then she like is sliding into the control room and as she is she's like flipping them off oh yeah it's just like i love you so much. She's just the best in this movie. The only time that like I, it falls a little bit for me is when they have decided to work with uh, the X-Men and they're on Blackbird and they're making fun of Rogue. Uh-huh. And they're like, we love what you've done with your hair. That seemed like such like catty gay bitchiness. That's what I mean. It just drove home that the, the point of like, oh, these are gays that yeah. they're talking about now even more for me. But yeah. it's like, don't be shitty. <laughs> You're so was, cool. You don't need to be shitty. <laughs> that was totally just those two being bitches. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good. That was a nice touch for me. This, to me, is the 
measure by which I hold all superhero movies up to. Okay. Like this is to me the best superhero movie I've ever seen. So I'm really glad we got to watch it and talk about it. I'm I'm really glad. I was worried because Brian Singer has problems keeping it in his pants. Yeah. Um rest in peace. And I I hope everyone on this movie made it out unscathed. <laughs> yeah. But it re- it it harkens back to a different time of superhero f- filmmaking when it wasn't like you were making this solely for you know, building up to the next one. Yeah. Although there's a little of that with Phoenix, et cetera. There but. is, but it's not even a stinger. Like it's before the credits. Yeah. Yeah. But he makes a movie like it's a fairly complicated movie. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of different motivations, but it, it comes off. Like I, I don't feel confused by it. I feel like when I come out of the other end of it, like it, I knew people's motivations. I understood where their motivations came from and I, you know, can at least sympathize, you know, with like Magneto and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't agree with them, but I understand why Pyro joined that side. Sure. I understand his argument. I see the allure. I get it. Yeah. And that just makes for interesting storytelling when it's not necessarily good versus evil, but it's like a clashing of two different ideas, especially if both of them are attractive or appealing in some way. Yeah. He still makes a good movie. He does make a damn fine movie. say one last thing for me anyway the i really loved how in that scene when there's like the fighter pilots are coming to like take over the jet uh that the one that's talking to them is a woman unidentified aircraft you are ordered to descend to twenty thousand feet return with our escort to hanscom airport space you have 10 seconds to comply you don't get many women fighter pilots yeah in movies so thanks x2 <laughs> it was a forward-thinking movie yeah so Next week, it's a double feature. We've come to it again, episode 60. Jesus. God, I feel like we just did episode 50. We're almost at retirement age. <laughs> so next week, I think we're, uh, it's time to, to honor one of our favorite actresses. For those who are paying attention, there was actually a little Easter egg in the bonus episode <laughs> that revealed this. <laughs> Not that we actually knew at the time that we were going to do it, but... <laughs> yeah, but here it is. For episode 60, we got a little PP in store for you. <laughs> we're going to do a Parker full of posies and honor the one, the only, Parker, Parker Posey. Posey. Yes, she is a treasure on all fronts. As an actress, as a human being, she's just a delight and a treasure. She sparkles up the screen and... Uh, makes us smile put it puts a tear in our eye sadly she doesn't have that many great movies to her name right though her roles in every movie she is always the pinnacle of every movie she's been in i feel yes her talent and ability outshines many of the movies that she's been in yeah next week in honor of miss posey we will be doing one feature-length movie mm-hmm. a party girl favorited by many people <laughs> adored by movie watchers (laughs) some people like it and then we will actually be doing four 
episodes of the show Louie in order to end out our problematic season that focus heavily on Parker Posey and her character. Mm-hmm. The episodes are Daddy's Girlfriend Part 1 and 2, Looking for Liz, and New Year's Eve. All right. Each episode's about 20, 22 minutes long, so you watch four of them. It's like 80 to 90 minutes. It's like she's in a movie. It's like she's in a movie. <laughs> Right, sounds good. A Parker full of posies. Next week for our 60th episode. Wow. Wow. Should we plug our junk? Let's do it. Go to our new website, xratedmovies.com. It's got our archives. It's got what's coming up next. It's got the newest stuff. It's got little bits of info about us. Some staff picks. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. We've also got a Facebook page where you can subscribe and keep up to date with all the, all that's going on. That's Rated X Movies because Facebook is weird about the word X. My personal favorite thing for you to do would be to like, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast. Tell your friends. Get them to do it, too. You could tell us after you do it by tweeting at us at xratedmovies or sending us an email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. I think that just about does it for us this week. We'll be back next week with uh, Parker Parker Full of Posies. Until then, I don't know. What's an X-Men reference? May the odds be ever in your favor. No, (laughs) wrong franchise. We didn't cover that one this season. It's good enough, though. (laughs) That's what Professor X always says. Yeah. (laughs) That's good enough. All right. (laughs) Bye. See you next week. (laughs) 